This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Some of the uh, predictions from our listeners are coming in right here for tonight's national championship game, which, by the way, starts at 6.30. We will air most of the game on ESPN Arkansas affiliates, but they scheduled Eric Musselman live tonight, too. So that's 7 o'clock. That'll take you uh, up to 8. It's at Sassy's uh, Barbecue on Steamboat uh, right now. So uh, it's... I guess you'll come into the broadcast sometime in the second quarter. But usually, it's like, I remember kickoff for this game usually, Matt, is later than 630 because I usually complain about the start time of some of these championship games. 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock feels too late. 630, that feels like that feels like a sweet spot. Maybe even a little bit early-ish. It'd be over by 1030, though, huh? So that, that's a good... Uh, we can, that means we can all go to be sleep a longer, and be okay with it. Yeah, longer halftime, you know, a little bit. You're going to have some, a lot more media timeouts. Uh, so it, the game will will take a little little longer. But, yeah, I like I liked that 630. Now, does that mean the kickoff at, is at 630 or the coverage starts at 630 and the kickoff really at no, 717? I think it's, I think it's kickoff at yeah, 6 Yeah, I'm, I'm with it. Heck yeah. I'm all about that, man. Absolutely. Uh, so let's get a look at this text line, see what some of you think about this game here. Uh, the great Jason in Fayetteville says, if Penix has a 400-yard passing game and no turnovers, Washington rolls by 10. Uh, but, but, but what if Michigan gets up by 17 and you know Penix is just throw, 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 ends up with 400 yards? The no turnovers would be the thing that I could believe in that case. But getting to 400 yards passing against Michigan... Uh, sounds like it could be a little bit difficult considering no team has thrown for more than 240, uh, 271 against them. It's not like they faced a lot of high-powered passing attacks, though, in the Big Ten outside of, you know, Ohio State, maybe Maryland, and, and that's it. Best offense Michigan's faced, uh, I believe, all year. But but that front seven, that front seven's real yeah, if, if Penix has has one of those type of games where and if they have a game where, where in the third quarter they get 11 minutes of the possession, uh, I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, I, I see Michigan trying to control clock and, and, and run the ball. I think that's what it's going to get down to in the second half. Can Washington stop Michigan's run game? When they get tired and they wore down, tired of tackle, Michigan's going to make them tackle. They're going to make them stop the run game. And if Washington can't, uh, then it's going to be a, a, a you know a, whoever might, might be who comes down to who has the ball la- last. All right, so how about the idea if Washington has or pardon me if Michigan has uh, four touchdown drives of ten players or more that they're going to win the game? Yeah, that would be uh, you know if they if they if that's those, what we'll try to do if those running backs uh, if if they have those two running backs averaging over four yards a carry. Uh, that's they're going to be in a lot of third and shorts, and that's that's where they thrive. JJ McCarthy can he he's definitely on those third down. You give him a one two read, a high low read, a back in the backfield tight end coming across. He can make those throws all day, and that's what Michigan likes to do. Okay, so on the other side, um, Oregon ran for the most yardage against 
Washington this year, and that was in their first meeting, ran for 204 yards. Uh, teams only get 4.4 yards a carry against Washington. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that they necessarily stop the run, uh, but they haven't been gashed too much. Texas did run against them, though. Texas ran for 180 yards, almost 6.5 yards a carry. Mm-hmm. It's a good running game. Michigan's running game is is just as good, if not better. I'll, I'll say this, Phil. I think Texas w- is faster than Michigan, and I think those backs, uh, that the, so that that the game will slow up. Now, I think Michigan's a lot stronger, more physical than Texas, um, and they're going to try to impose their will. They're they're going to give them a dose of Corum. I mean, I, Corum's going to have twenty five touches. I was going to say how many doses? It'll yeah, I, be a full dose. I think it's a full measure. Yeah, twenty five. I think you you, you get him twenty five touches in their backup running back. I have ten. It'll be that's be they're they're gonna. That's how they're gonna go. They know who they are. It's like a triple swig of Nyquil when you can't go to sleep at eleven thirty at night. You know that's more than the one dose. They'll probably they'll probably give him more than the one dose of of, of Blake Corum. Uh, Jody and Harrison says Huskies. Scott says Washington wins, and it's not even close. Charlie says he's got Washington, no doubt. Jackie in Cherokee Village says Michigan wasn't even impressive against Alabama. He's going Washington. Man, I mean, on our text line right now, and it's a really scientific poll when you do it off of your text line, the McClarty Daniel text line, 877-377-6963. Our listeners, at least those who put in the effort to dial a nine uh, a, a, a ten digit number uh, say it's going to be washington i'm not i'm not in that direction think it's a good game michigan by five yeah michigan's got the 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 defense it, it'd be it, it might be you know the the thing that struck me as odd was in, in the final four games you you had those you know two three weeks four weeks off before those teams played those games there was a muffed punt in both of those games mm-hmm. so i promise you they're working on special teams that might be the key. Who who has less turnovers? Who can play a clean game? Who who doesn't go out there and turn the ball over might be the team that wins it. Usually the team that can create a little havoc in the backfield defensively is going to force some bad plays, some passes thrown a little quicker than they wanted, some tipped passes. Which, by the way, did you see that crazy touchdown that was the Bills scored against the Dolphins yesterday? Right yeah, near deflection. the line. Yeah, the deflection right, way up in the air. Dude made a great catch in the back of the end zone. That was one of the silliest touchdowns I'd ever seen. I, I did see uh, the Saints and the Falcons line up in victory <laughs> formation. Talk about, uh, oh, you know, when, when you it goes both ways. When you line up in victory formation and the defense fires off, the offense gets mad. And then you line up in victory formation and then run the ball on them. I'm telling you, that's a... Uh, that's like that's like throwing throwing a ba- like the next time you go up to the batter's box they're going to hit you in the ribs with the baseball. Yeah, well it'd be like all right coach is calling for a pitch out. Ah screw that. This is coming right down the middle. Mm-hmm. Just make sure the umpire knows so we can get out of the way. Hi everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures and at Joshua's Fine Jewelry we only have one sale every year and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value price for Christmas. We do custom one of a kind jewelry if that's what you're looking for. Come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift selection quality service and christmas red tag prices now through christmas at joshua's fine jewelry in beautiful downtown russell 
Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. We always appreciate some time with Mike Irwin from Pig Trail Nation. We got him right here on our McClarty Daniel Hotline. And it's been it's been like three Mondays since we had a show. So we, we haven't talked with Mike since just before Christmas. Mike, how was your new year and how you doing? You know, I've had a, some kind of weird head cold for like two and a half weeks. It, it's not progressing. It just it's in my head. It doesn't go to my chest or anything else. And I don't know what's going on, taking all the medicine and all that. But other than that, I'm just rolling along. It's probably because you hadn't been on our show. It's, you know, you need uh, vitamin H uh, every Monday. That's You'll feel that's much it. better once you're done with this segment. Mike, uh, where where are we going to go with it? You want to talk national championship game first, or you want to talk about the uh, worst uh, the worst game ever played at Bud Walton Arena? Hey, it's it's your show, guys. Whatever you want. Uh, what do you say, Matt? Basketball first. Let's let's we'll, get we'll the bad out of the way, stuff. then go to the good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, basket the basketball team. Uh, you know that you, you've seen it. You're hearing a lot of it's uh, you know lack of effort, lack of passion. I, I think it's a lack of talent. I just don't think they're they're that good. I think this is Coach Mus Mus's least athletic team he's had since he's been here. I do not see this team making the tournament. Am I am I overreacting? Yeah, I don't know. Um, you certainly could make that argument. Uh, where I see a real issue is a lack of physicality. If you look in the, at the OU game and the Auburn game, they were very similar in that you went, they went up against a, an opponent that was just very, very physical, and they stayed with them for a while, but especially in the second half, they looked like they just quit. It's like we can't, we can't stay with these guys. And I think there's a definite problem inside defensively. You just, if the other team's got some strong, a strong inside game, who's going to stop them? Uh, Makai Mitchell would be the only guy that's, that's kind of a big power forward type, and he's not playing well. I don't know what's wrong with him. He's always been a hot and cold guy, but this season in particular, maybe it's the fact that his brother's not there anymore. I don't know. But, he just seems to be very non-aggressive with the ball. He, he won't go in, and when he does, he he doesn't seem confident. And then defensively, he's just standing there. So that's a that's a big issue. So there's where your your talent issue to me goes. I don't know up front. Yeah, you probably got one guard right now that's really out there making things happen, and that's not good. Um, I'm not saying they can't put it together. You know, you don't. You don't beat Duke and Purdue without talent, but where does that talent go? Why does it vanish from time to time? And is it just a bad mix of guys? Sometimes you can get guys that just, you know, they're kind of here and they're out to have a good time and they don't they don't get focused for a game or whatever, and then they, they just kind of give up. I mean, when you don't – people talk about culture. And how you, in the port, these days of the portal, how do you develop culture when you, 
you've got one guy that's been here for, for his whole time, and then the others are kind of been here last year. So how do they transmit that culture to these new guys? And to me, it hasn't happened. So I'm not sure. It doesn't look good down the road. I mean, they're about to go play a Georgia team that, the problem I see with that game is they've got one seven-foot center that's not a scorer, but he is a rebounder. And then they've got they play a four-guard lineup. Two of those guys go six, seven, and six, eight, and that's going to be a bad matchup that's uh, the, with Arkansas's guards. That that's what I noticed. I think coaches coaches' biggest uh, portal miss was letting Jordan Walsh be a second-round pick. You you have him come back leading the team in minutes. Uh, if he was back and then he's a lottery pick this next year. To your point, Mike, we're small on the perimeter. Our, our guards, they, they, they're they a lot smaller than they were last year. Yeah, and, and, and again, even go beyond that, go talk about Florida, which is the next game, road game they face. I mean, my goodness, those guys, I mean, they got two guards, you know, that can just flat play. And that that's the problem, you know. You're going to play Georgia. You're going to you're going to play Florida. Both of those teams are loaded with guards, and 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 Florida also has a couple of big men inside. That they almost beat Kentucky. I mean, I thought they were going to win that game. I think Georgia is the most winnable of those two. They've got to win that game somehow because you don't want to come back zero and three. The problem this year, guys, is. There are more good SEC teams. There's at least 11 that I look at that are NCAA capable, and I don't think 11 are going to get in. So that leaves maybe two or three out, and right now Arkansas looks like one of those that are out. And then what's going to happen? You, you know, people going to adjust to the NIT again? I don't, I don't think so, but it is what it is. I, I do think when you rebuild every year like this, uh, this is bound to happen. Because you're, when you're bringing guys in out of the portal, well, you, you're watching them play. Maybe you're looking at stats, but you don't know them that well. You don't know them till they get here, and uh, maybe you just got a bad mix of guys this year. So much is is focused on on the the wins that you'd mentioned against Duke and Purdue, and why why does this happen when you? It's so obvious that when they play well, when they play at their best, they can beat some of the best teams in the country. But the problem is is if you're going to do that, you've got to do it over a full 40 minutes. And right now they're mm-hmm. having trouble putting a half together. You know, you can look at – there were even flat – look, I mean, they had a great eight-point run. They played a pretty decent first 10, 12 minutes, yeah. you know, most of that first half actually. But it's just things kind of switch immediately sometimes, and they just look passive. They looked passive offensively. They looked passive defensively. And you can't get away with those kind of stretches. Uh, not, not, the, not the way that this team plays right now. they got to be at their best. But here's maybe, maybe one way to look at it and try to put a little, not sunshine, but a little crack in the sky is that was, that was them at their worst. We just saw them at their worst. I don't think it can get worse than this past Saturday. Basketball is a really strange sport. I, I realize when I'm talking women here, but how do you explain what the women did to Georgia I yesterday? I know. It's that's strange. I mean... They just, all the stuff they haven't been doing, they started doing. I mean, they were, yes, they were making threes, but they were making, they were going inside and scoring and being physical and playing physical defense, things they don't normally do. And you, you ask yourself, it's like, couldn't you get that video of the Duke game and, the, and, and you know, and, and the Purdue game and show it to these guys and go, look at you here and look at you here. What is going on here? 
I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I don't play basketball. I've never been at that level. But the, I, I'm telling you, there's something that happens out there that game to game. We Arkansas is not the only team that just suddenly collapses and gets the crap beat out of them. I see it happen a lot, but it doesn't make it any better if you're a hog fan and you're watching that happen. Mike, Michigan wins the game tonight if they do what? Give me a reason why Michigan wins and give me a reason why, why, why Washington wins. Right, they're just going to have to play like they played against Alabama. It's their defense. I mean, they'll, they have to score, obviously, but they've got such a good defense. And I think they'll win. I kind of don't like them. I don't know why. I mean, <laughs> I'm not really kind of like either one of these teams gets me fired up. I really like Washington's quarterback. And although I didn't vote for him in the Heisman, but now I'm thinking if, if they did it later, I might have. But I just think defense is the difference in this game. Is it that Washington doesn't have that kind of defense? Because, man, I mean, I think about, I think about some of the Washington strengths against what Alabama's strength was offensively. And they tried to keep, and they did keep, Milrow in the pocket successfully. Penix is so good in the pocket. Milrow is not. Um, yeah, Alabama's true. receivers have trouble getting open this year. Washington's best receivers, receivers they've played all year. Are some of the best. Yeah. So there is a bit of a counter to that. Yeah, I just, it's a, it's, I'm not saying it, you could go either way on this if you sat around and, and analyzed it for an hour. But it's just a gut instinct. I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't well, like Isn't them. it nice want... to feel that way about a college football championship game? Because we don't always feel that. Nobody felt that way last year. Nobody did. Sure. You, you know exactly yeah. the direction that game was going to go. Yeah. And, and, you know, around here, pe- people tend to zone out if it's not an SEC team. But it is what it is. This was the year in which the SEC kind of went, what's going on with the league? I mean, it started at the very beginning. Now, the question is, does it continue? I don't know, but wasn't a good year for the SEC, and they got humbled a little bit, and now you don't have an SEC team in the championship game, and that doesn't happen very often. I know some of the additions the football team made out of the portal um, over the weekend, got a cornerback out of South Alabama, one of the top running backs in the portal, kid from Utah. I like the kid from you. He's a, he's kind of reminds me of the kid from Missouri. He's a one cut downhill type of guy. I, I like that kid from Utah. And yeah. got maybe the best defensive lineman in, in uh, at the FCS level. What 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 else? What else do you think Arkansas needs to get out of the portal before uh, before it's too late? Well, they need linebackers because they've gotten one and he didn't play a whole lot, and so you're relying on they've got. They brought in three high school guys. One of them is top 14, and that's it. Uh, I'm told that they may actually wait until after spring football to try and bring in t- maybe two more. That's one of the that's the thing that still I'm scratching my head over. Obviously, Travis Williams got really ticked off at those guys. That's what I'm told. They wanted they wanted to keep Pooh Paul, but the others, he was just done with them. I mean, they, they let him down. I mean, we, we were used to the offense having problems all year, but he really didn't like what happened in those last three SEC home games. So now you got to start all over, and that's where the question is to me. I, I think there's some interesting things to look at in the spring. You know, it, it's now obvious that Petrino targeted the kid from Boise State. He tried to recruit him back when he was at Missouri State as the head coach. He sees some things he likes in him. 
okay, we're going to get a chance in just about less than three months to watch that take place. That's going to be interesting. They've added a speed component to the wide receiver room. Uh, you know, football players generally, or track guys generally don't impact football at Arkansas. They just never have. But this kid is legitimate, the kid out of A&M. They didn't use him much last year. He's a 10-200 meter guy. You understand 10-200 meters? That's not 10-6, which is what we're used to. This guy runs in the four twos, not the four threes, the four twos. So you want to see what he can do. What I know about Petrino's offense is he gets with receivers wide open. I went back and looked at that Missouri State game from two years ago. When they scored, there were guys just nobody was around him, and that's what he did when he was at Arkansas. So you like the idea of having some speed in the wide receiver room with, with what he does. Some people have questioned, and I, I guess as of right now, they still haven't named this receivers coach, but everybody says, you know, it's the guy out of Missouri State who's never coached wide receivers, and how could you bring in a guy that's never coached receivers? It, I remember when Petrino was here, and we got to watch all of August camp, the whole practice. He was out there working with the quarterbacks. He was working with the receivers. He was working with the running backs. He coaches about three different positions out there. So I don't have any worries in that respect. It's just going to be interesting to see. When, when, when I talk to people that are discouraged, I say, ask yourself who you feel better about right now with the, as the offensive coordinator. To me, that's the difference. Mike, we got to run. Appreciate your time. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll visit again next week. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Just looking at some of the headlines here on ESPN, Matt. We have a, a Poffenbarger that is joining the Miami Hurricanes. Sailor Poffenbarger's brother, you know Sailor, well, the, uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the top rebounders in the nation uh, for the Razorbacks. He's a redshirt sophomore for the women's basketball team. Uh, her brother, Reese, was the most prolific quarterback in FCS at the University of Albany. And, uh, in fact, he was a teammate of one of the newest defensive linemen for Arkansas, Anton Junkage, uh, who led the FCS in sacks with 15. He had 21 and a half tackles for a loss. Poffenbarger was his quarterback, and uh, he's transferred to Miami. Miami was hoping to get Cam Ward from Washington State, but he declared for the draft. They were hoping to get Will Howard, the Kansas State quarterback. He chose Ohio State. 
And so they've gone with the most prolific FCS quarterback, and uh, we've got a tie to him here at Arkansas. Yeah, it sounds seems like uh, it runs in the family there, a little athletic ability. So yeah, their mom played, uh, played for Missouri basketball at Mizzou. Yeah, it, that's that's how it goes. Now, tell me about this defensive end, though. That's what I'm. Those numbers, you, I, I, whatever league that is. How about these uh, numbers? I like Six, it. Three, 274. Ooh, 15 sacks, 21 tackles for loss. Let's let's go. Landon Jackson on one side, him on the other. I I'm 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 getting down with it. RD's column said uh, that he can bench over 400 pounds. So this guy's uh, he's big, he's strong, and he's got a track record of or track record of success in the FCS. So um, how, how do you grade our portal? Our portal gets so far, Phil. Like I want to see him in spring ball, uh, but on paper. You know, we getting getting the running back from Utah, getting some getting an offensive lineman from Tennessee. You know, getting some guys from some some big time schools. I think they're going to be able to come in and contribute right away. On, I mean, they're as far as the portals concerned. I mean, they've it, it looks like they've done really well. Uh, they're ranked in the top ten for portal commits across the country. We've had twelve of them come in. Uh, still need linebackers though. You know, you, I feel like you fortified your offensive line. You get three linemen coming in. I wouldn't be surprised if all three of them start next season. You've uh, fortified uh, your defensive backs, brought in a couple of uh, cornerbacks. You got a quarterback now, blocking tight end. Uh, you got a couple of wide receivers that have come in, a running back who's shown that he's successful in the, in the Pac-12 at Utah, and uh, this defensive lineman too. Uh, linebackers, that's got to be what this team's able to go get next. Because right now, and I know Mike, Mike Irwin hit on it during the the interview we had with him, uh, haven't brought in a single linebacker outside of Xavier and Sori, and you've lost all of your linebackers. So as of now, Sori's got the most experience amongst anybody that plays linebacker at Arkansas. And I can't imagine them not getting one, maybe two um, linebackers to come in the portal sometime soon. But yeah, I mean, as far as at least what was a weak spot last year, they, they've they've fortified the position. Like, there's going to be competition on that offensive line, right? And it doesn't feel like there really was this last uh, this last spring or in the fall. But I think you're going to have plenty of competition now. I like what they've done at running back. Um, maybe another receiver. Maybe I don't know. But what else do you think they need out of the portal? Yeah, I mean you you can you can always use guys with speed and, and, and can catch. I, I like that that kid uh, that that Petrino's bringing in from A and M, the track kid. Jordan, uh, uh, that's uh, if, Jordan Anthony. If he what 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 it does, man, it, it gives the other defense somebody to prepare for. It give you can take the top off the coverage, uh, especially with him and Satania, two guys that I think can run by people. Uh, and and Petrino, he'll get you on one on one matchups if you can do that. and You have a little speed, and if he can catch the deep ball. Uh, man, and then it opens up. He loves to run those crossers and those quick outs. If you can take the top off the coverage, man, it, it just spaces the field so much better. Uh, use your All-American, All-SEC tight end that it, that it be coming back, number nine, and, and then being able to uh, to use Armstrong, the the kid that, that led us last year. I, I think he's going to be uh, – I think he's going to be a little bit better. I think a college offseason, getting him in Petrino's offense and uh, being able to be that X guy that can beat one-on-one coverage, I, I look for him to continue and have a, have a good year again next year. I'm, I'm glad they've brought in Jaquindon Jackson. Uh, he's the running back out of Utah because he's a three-year veteran and has, I mean, he's run for more yardage than any other running back on the roster currently. Now, I like Augustav. I think Isaiah Augustav looks like a keeper. Uh, I'd imagine that he's going to get an opportunity to compete to be your top 
running back um, in the spring. I still like Dubinion. I still like Dominique Johnson. So I feel like you got some competition there, but I really love the fact that you got a kid who's been a productive running back for a really good program for the last couple of years who was recruited by Texas, too, and I think he played his first year at Texas just redshirted. So uh, that, that did, it caught me a little bit by surprise that they brought him in, but when you, when you look at what you already have there and what you've lost in Rocket and A.J. Green, um, it, it looks pretty obvious that it was, it was a position that they had to add somebody and add somebody of experience. Not just somebody you can point to, well, look at the speed, look at these, look at these measurables. Well, there's, there's certain measurables of Jaquindon Jackson that I don't think you can say about many other running backs for this team, and that it's, he's already almost run for 800 yards in a season, like this last year at Utah. Yeah, that's that's funny. I I told you the the fantasy college uh, football team. He was our running back that, that we had. So I I watched him a little bit last year and got to see him see him play. Uh, he he's a tough kid. He's a one cut runner. He he's got some shift to him, but he's he's a downhill guy. He he's a guy I like him. I mean I mean he's gonna be he's gonna fit right in in the SEC. Oh, let's see some of the other headlines here. Yeah, Tiger and Nike end of the 27-year partnership. Ron Rivera has been fired by Washington. Uh, that never seemed to work out well the last couple of years. Bill Belichick is still under employment of the New England Patriots for the time being. And uh, Houston is now the number two team in the country for basketball. Get a look at the AP poll here while we got you. Purdue number one, Houston two. Kansas 3, UConn 4, Tennessee 5. Uh, Auburn jumped up. My gosh. Auburn jumped from 25 to 16 with their win over the Razorbacks, Matt. They jumped up nine spots in the AP poll by far. That's the biggest advancement amongst any team in the poll. They they looked really good. As bad as Arkansas looked, Auburn looked really good. Yeah, they had some players. They they had guys that can make basketball plays. They they made the game look easy. I, I thought early, like like we talked about, that they, they kind of, you know, both teams were filling each other out. Both teams started one from six from the field. Uh, but, they, man, they were crashing the boards. They 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 were physical. They, you know, I don't know how good Auburn is, that, you know, going forward. They're definitely a, a tournament team. I, I still like Tennessee. Uh, to, to win the SEC, but yeah, you know, Auburn get hot. They're, they look like a team with their depth and the way they rotate. They look like a team that could win 14, 15 SEC games and, and, and have a chance to win the, win the SEC regular season title. I think Arkansas's men's team right now doesn't know who they are. They don't, I don't think it's a team with an identity right now, and it, I think it's tough to have an identity a couple of months in with you know, with a team that's built through the transfer portal the way that they are. And you're like, well, when you're struggling, you go to what you do really well. What are they doing really well right now? What have they done really well over the course of the season? I guess get to the foul line is one of those things, but going eight out of 15 to the foul line is never going never gonna to help you win. The women's team yesterday, Matt, the more I think about this, they leaned on the veterans that have been there for the past, three or, or four years. You know, you don't have Talia Scott, the, who's, who's been one of the top freshmen in the country and probably the top freshman in the SEC. She's out with, a, with, with what was described as a sore back. Now, she leads the team in, in all the categories for offense. Shots taken, shots made, three-point attempts, you know, scoring. But when she's not even an option, well, then you go to players like Michaela Daniels, Samara Spencer, you know, Sailor played really well. Miriam played really well. Carly Keat stepped into a role as a starter, and she was terrific. But Michaela Daniels scored their first eight points. 
And Mac is in her fifth year. You know, she took it upon herself. Well, this girl, so our best score is not here right now. I haven't been scoring very much of late, but you know what I still can do? I can score. And she went out there and she filled the, she filled up that hole, man. She scored 24 points. She had scored a total of 19 in the previous four games. So that to me is a case of a team kind of leaning on some of their culture, which, which when you talk about culture, you got to have teams, you got to have players on that team that have experience within that culture because culture takes time to grow. It needs to be nurtured. It's tough to do that. I think it's tough to do that with teams that are built through the transfer portal. Sometimes it happens like that. It hasn't happened like that for the men's team. But, but, but when the women's team didn't have their, their top scorer, they had a little bit of that culture. Not on the back of their minds, at the forefront. Here are two players in Sam Spencer and Michaela Daniels that have been there for three or four years, and they pretty much took it upon themselves to do the bulk of the scoring when needed. And I think that was about culture, and it was a great win. I did not see them winning by 40. Not at all. We'll take a break. We visit with Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South, getting into this national championship game, and also uh, see what he thinks about some potential landing spots for players that are still in the former Mario Warp Zone, which is now allowed to be called the Transfer Portal. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in downtown Hot Springs, Arkansas is the perfect destination for your next getaway. Join them for a romantic Valentine's Day getaway with a special dinner or romance package. Or if you're coming to town for live racing, they've got room for you every weekend, including Martin Luther King Day weekend and President's Day weekend. Experience all the luxury and hospitality of a Grand Southern Hotel. The accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit Arlington Hotel com for more details. That's ArlingtonHotel.com. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Dave and his team have all your holiday drink options. That includes Fireball and Bailey's Chocolate, Jack Daniels Crown Salted Caramel, Winter Seasonal Beers, Eggnogs, and more. Come by Eastside Liquor, 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now back to the podcast. Uh, Connor O'Gara is with us here from Saturday Down South. And, yeah, you know, we didn't have Mike Irwin for a couple of weeks because, you know, he didn't have any Monday shows. Mike got sick. That's what happens when you're not on halftime very much. Connor, uh, I, hope you're, I hope you're feeling well. I hope you're healthy because when we don't have shows on Mondays, our guests get ill. How are you? You know, I'm surprisingly healthy. Uh, it's been a little bit difficult as I make that transition to having a child at daycare who regularly gets germs. So I was sick probably three different times during the season, but uh, I'm good right now. That'll probably change in about, I don't know, two or three days. Does baby watch college football with you, or do you have to be in a room separate, uh, especially for a game like this, right? You can't be changing diapers and, you know, worrying about feeding bottles during this game, or maybe you can. No, she'll be asleep at the time. This one rolls around on 730s, like right around her bedtime these days, but she watches ball. She's got a lot of takes. Um, I've kind of cultivated some of those takes. She is like one of those babies that legitimately when, when football comes on and there's action on the TV, she just wants to turn and watch. So it's probably not going to be that long. She has my job. Um, I, I told her try and wait until at least high school before we're getting to that point. But, uh, yeah, she's not going to be as dialed in as tonight. She'll watch a replay during the day tomorrow to do her full all 22 breakdown. I love it. 
Connor, last year, going going in for this Georgia TCU game, we kind of knew uh, what what was going to happen. Didn't know it was going to be that bad, but but kind of knew. When I when I come in this tomorrow to work, I will not be surprised if either one of these teams win it. I, I really think it's it's one of those games that uh, both both these teams could win. What are your keys? Give me a reason why uh, Michigan wins, and give me a reason what Washington has to do if they want to win. Yeah, I mean, this is going to sound cliche, but like whoever gets to be themselves is going to win this game. And here's what I mean by that. That Michigan front that we saw, the defensive front that we saw dominate Alabama, if that's going to be how good they are tonight, give me Michigan all day. But we're talking about a Washington offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award, the best offensive line in college football, a quarterback in Michael Penix who doesn't get used a lot in a quarterback run game. That's just not what they want to do with a guy that's had multiple ACL tears. But is so good at throwing and you know moving the pocket, manipulating the pocket, and trusting those receivers on the outside. So like it's weird to say, but I think that's the key matchup. I mean, if there are if Michigan is repeatedly getting to Michael Penix, he's not getting these balls off the way that he would traditionally like to. That changes everything. And if Michigan is controlling the clock the way that they have for so much of this season, a team that faced one deficit in the second half, then, yeah, I mean, I'm trusting Michigan to win this game. I think that's a lot easier said than done. Michigan's only faced one team who attempted 32 pass attempts on the year, and it was Iowa. So that doesn't really feel like they've seen a team like Washington. But I do think that Michigan probably has the better chance of being able to look like themselves by night then. What about, what about Washington's speed? Because that's what stands out. And those receivers' ability to get open. I mean, you even just mentioned about how – Michigan hasn't played enough teams that specialize in passing to have that kind of receiver. But then against Alabama, they don't have that kind of receiver either. Maybe Jermaine Burton, but you know that 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 was a main issue for Alabama this year. Receivers not getting open. Um, this is a little bit different uh, with the receiving core for Washington. Uh, it's it's, it's the, it is the most difficult matchup for those cornerbacks for Michigan all year long. So I guess part of it is how, how can Washington exploit that and how often can they exploit that? Yeah, I mean, I think the key is, is being able to have that pressure hold up where Michigan feels the need to want to send more. I mean, if, if Washington can win that battle in the trenches early on, and if that offensive line can hold up and Michigan all of a sudden they got to start sending six, that could potentially expose Michigan on the back end. They have seen a, a receiver good as Roman Duce because they faced Marvin Jr. They did some things to be able to contain for a bit in that game, though, to where it wasn't a total takeover. It's why Ohio State was on the losing end of it. But you're right. The depth that they have at receiver with Polk, with, with Millen, and the things that even Dylan Johnson can do if he's healthy in the in the passing game, that, to me, is what makes Washington so unique. And it's, you know, it's got to be so different for Michigan, that defense preparing to face Washington after what they saw with Alabama. I mean, two teams that just want to beat you in totally different ways. There's a reason why Washington's only bottom 10, bottom 10 in the country in rushing attempts per game. It's because they're going to beat you through the air. I mean, that's just what they do. That's been their identity all year. They're going to live and die by it. When you have a guy throwing as well as Michael Penix, why wouldn't you? So, yeah, I mean, I think that's key. If, if Washington's protection can hold up early, get Michigan those defenders coming down into the box, and then they, they take advantage of those matchups on the back end. That's what's going to allow this Washington offense to help. Does it matter win or loss? Is is Coach Harbaugh going to be leading these Michigan Wolverines next year? I think he's gone. I think he's gone. Like 
And I don't have any sort of inside information on that. I mean, if anything, I'm trying to wish it into existence that he leaves Michigan and goes to to my Chicago Bears, who uh, I believe could use a new head coach, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, Look, I think that the flirtation these last two years and just the the hovering NCAA cloud with Connor Stallion's investigation, I I think he's going to say, this is time. I got the the program back to the level that, that I set out to. And this is kind of the way that Harbaugh has operated in the past. And so I think that he will look at the situation, realize there there's a real opportunity to leave this place better than he found, even with that NCAA investigation, because of the things that Michigan did to get prominent back to that program. I think he's going to be gone either way. And one of these many NFL vacancies, they're going to throw a ton of money at him and just say, hey, look, you're not going to have to worry about stuff like that. Maybe they'll have some sort of weird Goodell suspension baked in there, but I do think that he will go back to the NFL ranks. Where are you on um, the uh, the topic of the Rose Bowl holding the national championship game every year? It's uh, I think it sounds good in practice, but I'm or, or in theory, but I'm not sure in practice. It's the kind of thing that that would really be good for college football. I mean, you got all these great new stadiums that have sprouted up all across the country. Nobody's going to confuse the Rose Bowl with being new. And look, tradition is nice, but let's not let's not joke with ourselves and try to convince ourselves that college football is all about tradition. It isn't, and it hasn't been for a long time. So uh, where do you come in on that? If we're approaching this from the standpoint of either living out on the West Coast or if I knew every single year I was never going to cover this and I was just going to be watching this from comfort of my couch, I would be all for it. And so you kind of see the people that are pushing the Rose Bowl as this permanent national championship host. If you see the people that are pushing in that direction, ask yourselves if they fall into one of those two boxes. Because chances are they do. And for the rest of the world who would like to be able to actually get to the Rose Bowl and would like to deal with all the traffic, I have not been, so I, I cannot speak from experience. I can only speak from what others have told me about getting in and out of that state and getting out to L.A., it is a nightmare. It's an absolute logistical nightmare. And as great of a scene as it is, it is lacking in so many of these modern enemies that we need for the sport to be able to actually have the infrastructure to host a national championship. I suggested Atlanta. But again, I'm biased. A flight from Orlando to Atlanta is easy to be able to get. We know that Mercedes-Benz has the infrastructure with the stadium, with the roof capabilities, with everything that Atlanta offers from a, a city as a whole. That's why they've hosted national championships. I don't think we're going to get a permanent host. I think we will have rotating sites. But those suggesting the Rose Bowl are probably doing it more so from an aesthetic standpoint or from a convenience standpoint. Uh, I guess to, to ask about the Washington head coach, DeBauer, if, I, if I'm saying his name right, DeBauer, um, is he going to be at Washington next year? Is he, a, is he like a, a, a coach where the job comes open that he, he's going to bolt? Do you see him coaching Washington next year? So, Phil and I know as Indiana guys uh, that Caleb DeBoer is he's legit. He's absolutely legit. I, I think we have, we have so many different viewpoints of what Washington is as a program. I do think we forget how much of the last 30 years Washington has been more of a destination job. And I still believe it's a destination-type job, especially with them now going to the Big Ten Conference and knowing that they're not trying to get off of a dying ship in the Pac-12. So I think you look at it from that standpoint and say, yeah, why, why would you want to go anywhere? Everybody's trying to get to these, these 
two conferences. Look at Jonathan Smith, the Oregon State situation, him going to Michigan State, leaving his alma mater to be able to do that. Kayla DeVore is a guy that worked his way up from Sioux Falls to be able to get to this place. So to, to pretend like there's a, a job that, that he would definitely leave for, I think it's an unfair thing to say. I mean, you're getting to this stage, you're showing that you have championship upside, and you're doing so without a, a team that has top 10 talent in college football. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to continue to get interest from other places, but they're going to make sure that he is very well taken care of, and I believe he'll be back and he'll be their guy for a really long time. Uh, I kind of wonder, Connor, does he feel like an NFL guy at all, or is he? do you think uh, he, he's a college coach only? No, I think he's a college coach. And not to say that he couldn't have success at the NFL level, um, because I, I think that we're hopefully getting to a place in college football where we're more open to the idea of someone coming from a small school and having great success at the top five level with the likes of DeBoer, with Chris Kleiman, with Lance Leibold, what he's done at Kansas. I think we look at these guys who come from the FCS ranks, the Division II ranks, and we say, hey, you know what, I don't know whether they're going to be able to handle a budget, handle this recruit base or that recruit base. But some guys are just really good coaches. If you can coach, you know what, this year has shown us that, that there is not necessarily a ceiling that we should be putting on you. I, I think a guy that's been at as many small schools as he has, that's going to be turned 50 next year, I think he's locked into Washington for the long haul. You've got a really great situation, one of the top venues in all of college football, and you got that big payday coming from the Big Ten. So I think he's in a good spot. I, I, I definitely think he is more of the college build than the NFL, not, not necessarily like a hardball situation where he's going to flirt with going back and forth. What do you have on um, Blake Baker uh, going to LSU, the Missouri defensive coordinator? I know he'd coached at LSU previously, I think, linebackers, but that was they, they got rid of just about everybody on the defensive staff at LSU. Um, how Do you think he can rebuild a defense for LSU, and how does this affect Missouri? It's a huge SEC move. It really is. How crazy this sport is and how quickly things can change. Blake Baker goes from being a guy that was a casualty on that last Ed Ogeron staff in 2021, where Brian Kelly decides not to retain Baker, even though he was the linebacker's coach. And Mizzou picks him up. It's kind of like, eh, what, what's he going to be? You know, his resume is way less than what Steve Wilkes was. The Steve Wilkes thing didn't work out at Mizzou. And really, this was this year, in many ways, for Mizzou was set up by the defensive improvement that they showed last year, that first year with Blake Baker. And they, they were awesome this year. I mean, they did so many things, even though they weren't necessarily healthy down the stretch. They did so many things that you would want an elite team to be able to do on the defensive side of the ball. It's a huge move for LSU to be able to maximize the ability of that defense, and specifically Harold Perkins, who was just put in too many bad spots with Matt House's defensive coordinator. Didn't let him do what he does best and rush the passer. Blake Baker, the way that he blitzes, he's going to be able to do that so much more. And I think it was a great hire from Brian Kelly. There's a reason why this guy is not the highest paid assistant in all of college football, two and a half million bucks a season. He is the real deal, and LSU is in much better shape now that he is on board in that house. All right, Connor. Uh, are you doing predictions for this game? You want to give us you want to give us a score? Um, whatever you want to say about this uh, national title game, how's it going to go? Yeah, uh, I mean, I had a national championship prediction, I think, like last Monday night, this matchup was thirty in the morning, whatever that was, Tuesday. Imagine if I did this job and I was just like, Yeah, I really do national championship predictions. That'd be incredible. Uh, no, I got 
I got Michigan winning this 28 to 24. And I just think it's Michigan. And sometimes you can do all the, the breakdowns. And I, I can I can look at this back. You know, Washington's got all this comfortability playing close games and playing games by more than 10 points September 23rd. I love the Michael Penix story. I, I, I love all these things that Washington has working its favor. They could do some things that are just different than anything Michigan's seen. I just come back to, no, I think it's Michigan's view. I think Michigan finds a way, and the, the, the hurdle that they got over against Alabama was everything. And being able to respond they did the last five minutes of that game and in overtime, they found themselves. And I think the team that stands on top, and we're all we're sitting there wondering, man, what's next for Michigan? And what are we talking about this year with an asterisk national champion moving forward? Uh, I think that's very much going to be on the table by the time we well, happy National Championship Monday, Connor, and a happy new year to you. I appreciate you coming on today. Enjoy the game tonight, all right? Gentlemen, appreciate you too. Thank you, Connor. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.